0: Hello, lovelies. Before we get started, I just want to talk about last week's episode for one second. There was a slight technical glitch when the episode was uploading, and it is possible that it cut out after about 12 or 13 minutes or so. I fixed the problem, but it is possible that your device only downloaded the broken version so if you're in the middle of listening to my if i do say so myself pretty fantastic conversation with shauna broadman of set with style in florida then go back and just like remove it from your queue and re-add it and then it should be there in its entirety it'll be a regular episode length i forget what the exact length is somewhere between 45 minutes and an hour so you definitely want to go uh, back and listen to that if you didn't get a chance already also, I know that a lot of brands are already putting out spring content, but like I live in New York and it's cold, so I just want to remind you that the snuggle dress is online. It is one of my best-selling pieces, and I have worn one, I think, every single day except for Friday last week. It is a fantastic winter dress that does professional it does errands it does you know days when you don't really feel like getting dressed and when those days overlap with days when you need to be professional or do errands you need a dress like the snuggle dress it is super comfortable super flattering and perfect for this time of year and everything ships super fast so you can get it pretty quickly so that you can enjoy the rest of the winter in something that is super cozy see the snuggle dress along with the rest of my collection that is available in sizes 2 through 24 by going to impactfashionnyc.com. Enjoy the show. From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. Gets quits, and on today's show, I sit down with a disability advocate with cerebral palsy to talk about her life. She shares how she feels about people looking at her funny, the importance of language when it comes to talking about disabilities, and what body acceptance looks like with disability. The first time I saw one of Chelsea Bear's videos, I did a little bit of a double take. It's obvious from the way she walks that she is disabled and in most of her videos, she's doing just that, walking. It's so simple and yet so powerful with a matter of fact attitude that Chelsea carries into a lot of areas of her life.
1: As a kid, I was pretty active. I loved to play in my neighborhood, different sports. I was also very involved in school. Um, I loved to learn, but more so loved to just be out learning things um, in the community with friends hanging out. And I was also one of those people that, you know, if there was ever an argument between two of my friends, I was the one who was kind of helping mend the relationship. Um, So, and I feel like that's something that kind of has stayed with me throughout my life so far.
0: That is a very, very good skill to have. I, I love the fact that you just described yourself without mentioning the fact that you have cerebral palsy. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, when you were eight months old, you were diagnosed with cerebral palsy. Um, can you tell me what is that? Like, what is that and how does that, you know, affect your life?
1: So uh, cerebral palsy is caused by a brain injury that happens either right before, during, or right after birth. For me, it wasn't ever specifically defined what happened, why I had cerebral palsy, But my mom had a normal pregnancy, a normal birth. And then when I was about three months old, she was at a mommy and me class and was, you know, picking up another baby and working with other kids and was realizing that their muscles and movement was starting to seem a little different than I was for the same age range. So that's when she started to bring me to the doctor. Um, just to kind of get ahead, to get ahead of things, see what was going on, if there needed to be early intervention. And it took years and years of MRIs, CAT scans, different tests to really get to the diagnosis of cerebral palsy. Um, But for me, it impacts my legs specifically. There's a bunch of different severities and levels and types of CP, but for me, it impacts the way I walk.
0: So did you, like you said that there was never like a defined incident that that you could say, okay, so, you know, she was dropped on her head and that's what calls the CP. Like you don't have that kind of a thing. Are you the oldest in your family? I am. Okay. So yeah, like that I, as, as someone who is a pretty recent first time mom, I can totally see how you need to see other babies to kind of get, you know, to, to get a feel for it. Um, and, and, you know, and like, and your parents did the best they could, you know, they, you know, got got you the intervention and and all of that um you mentioned that this affects the way you walk and you uh, okay here's how back backstory for a minute everybody um i was doing that mindless instagram scroll as we all do and on comes this like this video of someone walking and it's clear when you walk the like i don't want to say that you walk funny i don't know if that's a rude way to say it but like you you do. You walk a little. Yeah, funny. I, I do. I walk different.
1: It's definitely something that'll catch your eye. You know, it's exactly. Not, every time I walk in a room, it's like people are looking and it's for a reason because it's it's not the typical walk.
0: Right. So um, why? Why was it important to you to show like most of your videos are literally just you walking. And as a content creator, I am jealous. I wish that my videos could just be me walking across the screen. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> but wh- why was that like, why was it important for you to show yourself walking, doing something so simple?
1: Yeah, I love kind of giving the backstory of how this started because, again, for me, it is something so simple, it is walking but I kind of started out on this content creation journey as a blogger. So with blogging, it was traditional writing. And I would just kind of describe with words, how I walk, how I do things. And while I'm writing and sharing this out, and by no means that I have a big following or anything like that, it was it really just started as something cathartic for me to to get my thoughts out. Um, but I was feeling kind of like, I was betraying my audience in a way, and I know that seems kind of heavy, um, but I just felt, you know, I'm describing how I do these things, but how will people truly understand unless I give them visuals to go behind it? So the people who knew me in real life obviously knew how I walked, but the more my platform started to grow and there was people outside of my circle, they would see pictures of me sitting or pictures of me standing, And to your point, you know, you can't really tell I have a disability until I start walking. So that's what kind of sparked my initial jump into sharing a video of me walking. It was uh, a big decision for me. It was very scary, very vulnerable, but I got such a positive response and then started receiving messages from people saying they never seen someone else walk like them before. And for me, it was also vice versa feeling where I rarely saw that too. Um, so that's just kind of what started it and the continuation has just continued to to grow.
0: My favorite is when you respond to comments that are like, you know how you can, you can like respond to a comment in a video and it's like, she walks so funny, just sit. And then it's just a video of you walking. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. It's the best, it's the best <laughs> clap back out there. It's, it's <laughs> so great. Did, so, like you mentioned that you were an active kid and you've had this disability basically your entire life. Was that something that you, like, was it important to you to be an active person or like was important to your parents? How did that? Because, I mean, I can imagine and I kind of feel like if it was me, this is what I would do that, like, if I had a disability or like if it was hard for me to walk, I'm sitting all day like that's that's just me. Yeah, yeah, I feel pretty confident in saying that. (laughs) So was that something that you actively fought or did it just kind of come naturally to you that this is how you walk?
1: I think it was kind of a mixture of things. It definitely is something that came natural to me because it really is my only way of getting around. You know, I never knew any other way of walking this ever since I began walking. You know, I was using crutches or a little walker. Um, so there really was no alternative for me. And if I wanted to get from point A to point B, I had to just do um, and, you know, I think there's a, a very fine line of the mixture of how I became active and so um, open about my disability. And it, I, I, I attribute a lot of that to my parents, just really putting me out there, challenging me to not let my disability hold me back and, um, you know, quick backstory. My mom grew up being super shy, like hated public speaking, hated giving presentations at school. So when she had kids and became a mom, she wanted to make sure we were comfortable with that kind of thing. So every something as small as show and tell, she'd make sure I bring a toy in and talk about it. Um, And I think that's something that kind of stayed with me and then also helped me just get comfortable with the fact that people are going to be looking at me, and I might as well give them some greater information that, you know, will cause them to understand people with disabilities a little bit more.
0: Does it bother you when people look at you funny?
1: Yeah, um, it, it definitely does. It's, it's something that I know that I'll never get away from. Um, so there's definitely some moments where I'm like, wow, I wish I could walk into a grocery store without everybody stopping and turning and looking at me. But... Again, knowing that it's something that is never going to change, I kind of have always had this mindset. People are going to stare at me, so I might as well give them something pleasant to look at, um, which is why I kind of always have a smile on my face. I always kind of want to prove to people that just because I'm disabled doesn't mean I live this sad or um, you know unexciting life. So that also kind of contributes to my mentality of just showing people that I'm just a regular person. And, you know, even though I get a lot of stares, I hope to change someone's perspective along the way.
0: I hear that. Yeah, that's a very, you know, lemons into lemonade type <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> attitude. This is this is the way you walk. This is the way it is. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's it. Do you use a wheelchair ever?
1: I use a mobility scooter part-time. Um, usually what is for-
0: the difference between that and a wheelchair? I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, so a wheelchair is more... Um, Mo- uh manually pushed so you oh, know if okay. I was sitting in a wheelchair and I would use my arms to push the wheels or have somebody else push me and then a mobility scooter is more like electric I I charge it overnight um it's definitely like bulkier and stuff but it's more so it it goes on its own with the the press of a button
0: is a mobility scooter like those things that you see in Target where like some people who needed to get around and it's got like that big giant shopping basket Ex- on the front. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I have
1: like my own personal one that's a little more smaller and compact, but when I am at Target or the grocery store, those are the ones I usually use too. Oh, that's awesome.
0: Okay. Now, now I know what you're talking about <laughs> Yeah. is, you know, you mentioned that you don't necessarily look disabled until you start walking. Is that something that like, is that something that you think about a lot that like some, like if somebody sees you in a those scooter things in target they might be wondering like why is this young perfectly fine looking woman in like stealing one of these from the old people is that something that bothers you
1: yeah it's pretty much constantly on my mind to be honest and and like you said like i've even gotten accused a bunch of times at a store by employees or people that are just shopping there you know they'll say comments to me like wow you really shouldn't be on that you know somebody who needs it could could be waiting and and I you know in that moment I have to educate them and say I may not look like it but I really do need this um and it's it's constant you know even At work, if I'm on a virtual call, before I was so open about my disability, it was something like, oh, if this person met me in person, would their perception of me be different just because I walk differently? Um, So it's little things like that always in the back of my mind that it's like, I know my disability doesn't change who I am as a person, um, but it really just depends on, um, you know, the person on the other side.
0: Right do you like, does having cerebral palsy affect your life in any other way aside from the way that you walk?
1: Um, I think having cerebral palsy has taught me a lot about the way I view and approach life. I think in terms of the physical things, there's a few adaptations I make other than walking. Um, you know, I think, if I'm cooking or brushing my teeth, I just made a video on this. It's a, a lot of balance comes into play. I, I touch countertops and walls a lot to stop myself and hold myself up. Um, but beyond the, those little adaptations, it really doesn't impact how I live my life. Um, I always know if there's something that I really want to do, I'll be able to find the right people to support me, to help me through it, or I can just do it on my own. But, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I hear that. When I was prepping for this conversation, I found myself in like this awkward language place because Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up, I'm 27. So I grew up as like, everyone just said disabled. That was just Mm -hmm. like a thing. It was like disabled or handicap or any of those kinds of things. Um, Now I think that there are all sorts of different terms that there's differently abled. I've heard there's, I've heard handy capable when it comes to those kinds of like the verbiage. I we know that like the words that we use are important and that they have an impact and and all of that. I'm curious where you like what your opinion is on all of that. Where do you fall? Like what is this like a preferred terms kind of thing? How does this work? I want to know how to not be a butthead.
1: Yeah, I, I love it. And I think the conversation about what terms to use and the language we use is so um trending right now. You know, because I-, I, I think it's I think it's important. And for me, the more that I kind of have dove into the disability community and the more disabled people I talk to and advocates I talk to, I think we're just trying to get people to be more cohesive about the messaging used. So that said, I'm all about saying the word disabled, using disability, and that being kind of the main term. I think all of the other variations just, they, they take away from what it actually is. And it also confuses people that don't really understand, you know, is it bad to be called disabled? Not at all. But some people do think that way. And these other terms kind of feed into that thought process that oh, saying disabled isn't proper or it isn't a good thing. Uh, so short answer, I'm all for just keeping it simple and, and using the term disability.
0: Yeah, I, I hear that. Did the other like, did the other terms bother you or not really?
1: Not really. Mainly because I don't want to take away from someone if they truly feel more comfortable using those terms for their themselves to describe their experience. Um, but just for me personally, it's it's not really terms that I identify with. I, I guess you could say um, just because I feel like disability really again gives that cohesiveness of what this experience is. Yeah,
0: I hear that. Is there something that you kind of wish more people knew or understood about being disabled?
1: Being disabled, it's hard to kind of box in the greater category, for for example, you know, because a- anybody can be disabled. And whenever I'm asked this question, there's not one size fits all response. And I think that in itself is is my answer is just every disability should be treated differently based on the specific person living it. So, you know, for me, for example, like I'm totally open about my disability. I love sharing my story. I love sharing things I go through but somebody else may not wanna be as open about it. And if you walk up to them in public and start asking questions about their medical history, they may not be as willing to share and it may upset them. Um, So basically everyone with a disability has a different experience. There's definitely some universal themes like adaptation, wanting to be accepted, wanting to be included, Um, but really just knowing that everyone's different just like anyone without a disability.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Honestly, it's so funny because I've asked that that some version of that question to mm-hmm. a lot of my guests, which, which I always boil down to the "how not to be a butthead" question. Whenever yeah. we're talking <laughs> about any topic, it's like, "How do we not be a butthead to people yeah. who are whatever?" You know, whatever we're talking about. And what's so interesting to me is that it almost always boils down to some version of "everyone's different." Ask someone what they need. Ask someone what they prefer. Those are like the basic "how not to be a butthead." Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. Just treat others how you want to be treated. And I always say, I'm like, we're, we're all just human. So that's how you should approach people, no matter if they're disabled, not disabled, different than you, same as you. Yeah,
0: exactly. And see, being a, not being a butthead is not that difficult. <laughs> yeah. That's-, that, that, that's a good
1: <laughs> level of, you know, to keep it at too. <laughs> yeah,
0: that, that's, that's just a the baseline, baseline rules for life, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm curious how you approach, you know, we talk a lot on the show about body acceptance and, and body positivity and and all of those things. And it's something that I'm particularly passionate about, you know, as someone who is a fashion designer and um, very committed to inclusive fashion, especially when it comes to different sizes and body shapes. It's something that we spend a lot of time and that I personally spend a lot of time thinking about. And I'm curious, what does body acceptance look like when you have, when you have a disability, when I mean, I don't, the the term broken feels very, very strong, but you, you do have this, you know, you walk funny. There is something that you Mm -hmm. cannot do the same way that everyone else does. Was there ever a time in your life when that really frustrated you?
1: When it comes to body image, yes, because- like you said, and especially, I think there's been a big shift recently, but growing up, you know, I'm, I'm about, I'm about to be 30, but growing up, you know, traditionally, do you see some, have I, did I see someone that looked like me on TV or as a model showing different clothes? Um, No, I, I really didn't come by that. So for me to feel the need to kind of adjust who I was to fit into societal norms was something that definitely carried with me throughout, you know, my childhood growing up and into being an adult. And that said, you know, some things just don't work for me. Like shoes, for example, I never really bought good looking shoes because I rip the fronts of them when I walk. And shoes to me were a a big part of fashion because you know if I was wearing jeans and wanted to look cute did I want to wear bulky sneakers and you know I felt like it kind of threw off the whole outfit and then it I just like always really struggled with fashion in that way um which contributes to body image and body confidence and all that stuff um but, but yeah, so I, I, think I've struggled with it, but I also, now that I'm at the age I am at, I think the world is shifting and starting to be more inclusive and social media is allowing us to talk about it and relate to people who also have these shared experiences and, and that's just normalizing differences and disabilities and different body types and, and all of that. Do you think
0: that age itself contributed to that acceptance that like just getting older made a difference? like separate from all the other factors that you just mentioned?
1: Yeah, I think, I think age did have a factor in it, but I do think that the shift that all these industries has been having has majorly contributed because I think if we were still in the era of, you know, stick thin models being the prime, I think it would still be something that no matter the age, you're still trying to reach this unattainable uh, figure so that said, yeah, I I do think age. The more I grow and mature, and I'm more confident and comfortable in myself, the less I want to conform to different beauty standards. Um, But again, the greater movements have, have helped as well.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting because one of the phrases that I heard a little while ago was like the water that we're swimming in. Like if you think about two fish and like they're having different experiences, but they're in the same big ocean. And if the water that they're swimming in is contaminated or is perfume or is whatever or is particularly fantastic, that will affect the lives of the fish, even though They're not thinking about the water that they're swimming in. It's just there. It's just the water. And it's. I've never really thought about how the fact that society has changed so much around us, how that does make it easier. You're you're 100% right. If the people around us are more accepting towards people with disabilities or just people who have different bodies in general, that does make it easier to... I guess, be kinder to the differences that we have in our own bodies and in our own skin.
1: Yeah, and I think traditionally a lot of us would go through things, but we wouldn't talk about it. And I think the more that social media has allowed us to have a platform to talk, you know, whether you have a big following or you don't, you can have conversations that you may not have had 20, 30 years ago, even being, you know, if we were this current age back then. So... I think it and the more you talk about it you find out someone else went through the same thing but previously we may not have had that connection or that support of that shared experience so i i really do think it's just kind of breaking those things down and having a, a platform to talk about it
0: yeah yeah i think you're 100 percent right do you think that social media has been a net positive in your life because it can be a weird beast to wrangle with
1: it it can it definitely you know it has its highs and lows its pros and cons I think for me as I do with most things in my life I try to see the positives of it I think for me personally like I said it's given me a platform to really talk about these things relating to disability that were traditionally uncomfortable that I'm striving to show people it is and can be a comfortable regular conversation uh I definitely deal with you know trolls bullies online people who are hiding behind a screen but the greater message and conversations that I'm able to have really do have such a greater positive impact um, on my life and I, I hope a lot others as well.
0: I'm sure as someone who like watches and follows, It's, it really, it really does. Do you have like a method that you use to deal with trolls aside from your fantastic clapback videos, which I love so
1: much. (laughs) Thank you. It's a a method. I try not to read too much into them. Like I, I love reading comments on my videos. I love engaging with people and hearing their experiences and having those conversations. But sometimes, yeah, you do read a comment that just kind of makes you take a step back. But it's more so of kind of my mindset to dealing with it is realizing, you know, either the person on the other side of the screen has no idea who I am, has never seen someone with a disability in their life, or they're going through something of their own that they're not willing to address and are trying to to put that on somebody else other than them and not taking responsibility Uh, So yeah, so I kind of just approach it, knowing that and understanding that no, it's not really a reflection of me, it's more of a reflection of them. And again, you know, clapping back sometimes just bringing light to those negative comments to show people why it's not okay. And while I can deal with them, and I'm okay reading them, there could be somebody else who who's not. Um, and I kind of hold that responsibility, having the platform that I do to shine light on that, that experience of being online and hopefully changing perspectives again, just to, to be a little kinder.
0: Yeah, I, I can totally see that. I actually, I don't, I very, very rarely get negativity and whenever I do get mean comments, they're always on reels, which are shown to people who don't follow you. So it's, it's always from people who don't follow you and what, but I started doing what I realized, I know that I have a lot of like teenagers and and younger women and girls who follow me. So what I started doing was responding to mean comments for anyone else who might see it. Like if somebody, I have a pretty average regular body and the mean comments that I get are always either like weirdly sexual, which if it's weirdly sexual, I will delete. I'm not I'm not engaging with that. Like yeah, I'm not, yeah. we're not, <laughs> we're not entertaining that little fantasy. You can go off into your own little corner. Um, <laughs> but the, or it's, or it's usually like some gross comment about my body, just like, you know, sit down, you fat, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And personally, it doesn't bother me um, because like you said, you know that like, I mean, to I, I, I really, I feel bad for someone who is, you know, all that they have to do in their life is to, you know, sit alone somewhere and just say terrible things. Mean things, exactly. Yeah. Like just say terrible things to women on the internet. Like I'm, I am genuinely sorry for the state of your life. If that's, you know, what, what you need to do to get a little buzz. Um, but I'll always respond because I know that there are so many women who are gonna be looking at this video who have the same like butt or belly or boobs or whatever that I do. And, oh, and in their head, it might be, you know, I, I'm used to it. Like I'll, I'll just brush it off. But for someone else who might not be used to it, they're seeing that comment and be like, hold on a second, I have the same butt that Rifki does. And this, you know, smiley face 7386 has some opinions about that. So what does that mean for me? So I'll always respond so that there's a public, like, you know, it's always very well-crafted with a lot of input from the friend chat. I should should put that out there. Um, But like, (laughs) I'll always put something out there just so that people realize that like, this is not, a that this is not okay and that this is not like this is not something that should be happening and that they shouldn't be feeling worse about themselves
1: yeah no I I love that and I always say I'm like one all it's doing is giving us more engagement but two it's it it really is because it's so true people are just as much as they look at the content they read the comments and sometimes I do like if I if I just don't have the energy in me to muster up a response I I leave it and again if it's inappropriate I just don't even go there Um, but some of them really do I I think it is so important like you said to take the time and respond and and stand in your worth to show other people that this is not okay and don't let this get to you because it's, it's just not
0: stand in your worth. I love that phrase.
1: That's such a good way of putting it. Wow.
0: Put it on a t-shirt. That's fantastic. That's yeah. the title of the episode that right. There's the title of the episode. Yeah. That's such a wonderful phrase.
1: Okay.
0: The, do you think that there is something that able-bodied feels like a weird term Is that the, I guess so, not disabled people um, can do to support the disabled community?
1: Uh, My response to this is always pretty basic. Uh, Just listen. I think as someone with a disability, I've always felt that I have to go above and beyond just to have my voice heard just to have my needs heard. Um, so I think just having somebody sit down and listen to what it is I may be going through or somebody else with a disability may be going through and then figuring out ways in your own life that you can make a change to help someone or just even change your perspective or way of doing things. Um, I think that, can go such a long way. And it seems very small. Um, but if you know, if you change your behavior, or if you see somebody out in public, that has a disability, and you remember, hey, maybe I shouldn't just walk up to them and force help on them. Um, something like that, it can change somebody's whole day. So yeah, it's a pretty basic action item. But just listen and and hear how you can get involved and, and help. What
0: is forcing help on someone? What do you mean by that?
1: So an example, the other day I was at a restaurant, was meeting some friends for dinner, pulled up, parked, got out of my car, started walking into the entrance and some man came out and asked me if I needed to lean on him to walk into the restaurant. And I politely declined. I said, no, thank you so much. I'm okay. This is just how I walk, but I'm able to do it by myself. Um, And then me personally, we're... I don't want to be touching random people, especially with like, you know, all these illnesses going on. Um, but I, I politely declined and, and this man got angry with me and he actually yelled and said, you really should be grateful if somebody is offering help to you. I can't believe you're not letting me like assist you. And, you know, it, it definitely put a damper on my night because I'm, I'm like, I'm just trying to walk into this restaurant. Um, so that's what I mean by forcing help. You know, if someone declines, don't force it upon them. And, and it is what it is. But yeah, that's, so that's things- not okay.
0: I, I don't want to be touching random people either. So yeah, and, under and, any and circumstance, and hear, really.
1: It, it, exactly. And I think for some reason, whatever it is, uh, people look at people with disabilities that they can just, touch you. And I I hear this all the time for my friends who are in wheelchairs and they're perfectly capable of wheeling themselves. They do it all day, every day, but random people will just approach them and touch their, their chairs and start pushing them. And they see their wheelchairs and as an extension of their legs. And, and it is, and by these people coming and just, they feel like they're doing the right thing, but really you're, you're going into someone's personal space, you're not respecting their boundaries. And that's kind of the the forced help um, I'm talking about.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, when you use the example of a wheelchair, I could totally understand how someone like see someone pushing themselves in a wheelchair and thinks like, oh, that must be so difficult and hard. Let me make it easier. But yeah, mm-hmm. still. Yeah, no, don't go touching random people. Just don't. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) General life rule. Do you ever feel like because you have a platform, um, and because there are you know a lot of people who are listening to you and who are watching you, do you ever feel a responsibility to be like, this is an ironic question for me to ask because I'm almost asking you to do this now, but like, do you ever feel a responsibility to be like a a microphone, or like, I am the speaker of all disabled people, like, uh, like the mayor of disabled town or something like that. Does that, does it ever feel weird? Oh, yeah, it feels
1: very weird. And I constantly am very vocal on my platform while I share about my experiences with cerebral palsy to take them with a grain of salt because they're my experiences and mine only. Um, and while I think I help a lot of people learn about CP and disabilities, like I said earlier, everyone's disability is different. Even something who someone who has CP like me, they're, they can be totally different than me. Um, and I constantly, you know, I feel that pressure of, I may be the only disabled creator that people are following. So I'm the only one telling them these messages and I wanna make sure that it's, I'm not saying the wrong thing and I'm representing the whole community the best way I can. But at the end of the day, again, I'm just me. I'm just sharing my experiences and um, try to, to disclose that as much as I can to lower my, the pressure that I feel on, yeah. on my platform.
0: That's a really, that's a really good way to, to, to kind of like approach that and modulate that this has been a really, really fun and like, honestly, enlightening in a way it's like, it's a simple conversation, but I think that that's why it's so, it's, it's so powerful to have. If somebody wants to learn more about you, Chelsea, where can they go?
1: On all social media, I'm at real Chelsea bear and my website is chelseabear.com.
0: Awesome. I'm going to link all of that in the show notes so that um, you should definitely go and check out Chelsea's videos. Go watch her walk. It's pretty cool. And the last thing that (laughs) I want to ask you is what I ask everyone who comes on the show. What does it mean to you to make an impact, Chelsea?
1: To make an impact is to positively change someone's life. And I think for me, in terms of my platform, that can either be changing someone's perception about something or just making people feel in that they are meant to live.
0: I love that. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Chelsea. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank
1: you for having me. Thanks
0: Thank for you. listening. If you'd like to learn more about Chelsea, her links are in the show notes. On the last episode, I spoke with Shawna Broadman of Set With Style in Hollywood, Florida about her journey from OT to business owner. Listen to it wherever you're hearing this one and make sure you've downloaded the full version. The Be Impactful podcast is a project of Impact Fashion, the clothing line I created because I believe that we are all deserving of the beautiful things life has to offer. See my modest designs that are available in sizes 2 through 24 by going to impactfashionnyc.com. Access all of that by swiping up on the cover art. There are currently 18 people listed by Ora Akunote as a recalcitrant party. View their names, photos, locations, and details of their cases by visiting getOver.org slash recalcitrant-parties. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses. Original music composed by Nissan Petman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rifki Esquits. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.nyc. As always, here's to making an impact together.